0: Hello, joining me today is, uh, well, he's now an author who grew up in New York before moving to Denver, Colorado, uh, and then spent 10 years working in the entertainment industry in Los Angeles before doing another 10 years stint in real estate. Uh, it's A.M. Pfeffer. Hi,
1: Andy. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on. Aaron, tell me a bit about yourself then.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you covered some of the ground. Uh, the other part that was in the middle there is I spent college in Indiana University Business School. Uh, but the past 20 years have been spent in Los Angeles, and it's been it's been an up-and-down ride. You know, it's mostly been great, but obviously during the times of the Great Recession, I had all of these investments that blew up in my face. And I took a pause and, and worked as a bartender for two years at uh, the premier rock and roll hotel in the world, at the Sunset Marquee Hotel. And uh, that really put me on a great trajectory, a totally different course in my life. And then everything was, was on the up. I moved into real estate after that, uh, met my wife, had a son, started my own small business. And it just got me thinking about what the last decade has been and, you know, where we're all heading as humanity, especially in, in the rapidly changing 21st century. And I was like, why don't I write a book about it?
0: That book is of, by, and for the hanged man. Yes, sir. You describe it as a philosophical memoir. Can you tell us a bit about the book?
1: Yeah, no, look, I'm happy to expound on it. I, you know, again, this was written because I looked at it and I said, here's here's what happened to me. Uh, and here's how I was able to look at my own life and get introspective about the things that I needed to change. And that was one half of it, because obviously I wanted to just improve myself, but the other half of it was, how do I better contribute? How do I better contribute to humanity uh, and understand where we're all heading? And again, because this is the 21st century, things are moving so quickly now, uh, uh, for better or for worse. And, you know, we're, especially in this country, we're so divisive now. And it's, it's about saying, hey, let's put the pause on that and figure out how we can all be doing better. And that's why I wrote the book. And, I, and the idea is I turn to the hangman, uh, who's this amazing, depictive figure in history that teaches us all about introspection, teaches us all about facing our own contradictions, and how we can better apply that moving forward.
0: So the premise of the Lunchbox podcast is going to choose eight random questions uh, during the course of today's show. I've got a soundboard in front of me with 64 of these random, interesting and unusual questions on there. So... All I'm going to want you to do is give me a number between 1 and 64, please. 38. If Our Lives Were Cartoons, which cartoon would you like it to be and why?
1: Oh, I love that. That's good. If Our Lives Were Cartoons, I'm going to go with uh, Mighty Mouse. <laughs> Mighty Mouse. <laughs> such, a, such a great, simple time, such a great allegory for, for the Cold War. I love that. Those were, I thought those were good times in history. And there was just like this great underdog uh, uh, hero that nobody expected to be who the hero was. There you go. How about, how about it was Mighty Mouse? Of course, I want us all to be Mighty Mouse.
0: I'm sensing your next book title. We can all be Mighty Mouse.
1: <laughs> I'll write that
0: one down just in case. <laughs> okay. Uh, can you please give me a- another number? 27. What piece of advice would you give me
1: so that's another great question. I have a, I have a life lessons board, and I say, you know, you got to be careful. Always know what the other party is is up to when they're giving advice. So <laughs> I will say that. I want to preface it with that. Um, but uh, I would say read and write all the time. I try and give that advice to everybody. And I know that it's like, well, that's just, hey, we've all been doing that since grammar school. But have we? Because when, you know, as we turn into adults... Um, Is that really what's happening? Are we really taking as much time to to read and write? Reading is a lot easier. Oh, fine, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, read the news or read a book. But how easy is it or how many of us are really actually putting our thoughts down on paper, whether that's just journaling or writing a short story, poetry, whatever it is, because that's what keeps education alive. So that's my advice. Read and write all the time as much as possible for yourself, not just for others. Do it for yourself.
0: That's really great advice, actually. And it it resonates with something another guest we had on a few weeks ago said um so we had an author on sue barnard who said um in relation to writing in respect to writing get something down on paper because you can't edit a blank page
1: yeah i couldn't agree more sue barnard is, is a new hero of mine i love that <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay uh can i please have another number 63 who would win Solid Snake or Kevin from home alone
1: so who who was the first one? I know Kevin from Home alone. who was the first one?
0: Solid Snake it's the title character from Metal Gear Solid. Oh, got it.
1: way, oh, and I know Metal Gear. So it's funny you, you mentioned that. I mean, it's fact it's funny that I think the number eleven because that's probably we're going back to me being eleven years old playing Metal Gear. <laughs> so Solid Snake or Kevin from Home Alone, yeah, <laughs> I'm going with Kevin
0: nice
1: <laughs> i mean you, you just got it i mean you know solid snake had had many lives the dude just he's out there with reckless abandon i think kevin thinks things through
0: how do you see it going down
1: oh i'm sure it's i mean you know I, I see uh solid snake just armed to the teeth to the gills he's got a knife in every ankle and a gun and every holster and there's kevin with just you know some some jackson like little toy trucks that <laughs> he, he just put it in the right place <laughs> and a and, and, and simple tripwire twine that's it solid snake no saw it coming
0: <laughs> the paint can to the face Yeah, exactly I like that too okay thank you uh, can I have your fourth number please uh, yeah let's go with five how can planes fly
1: how can planes fly I mean are we talking like in the ethereal sense or how technical are we getting here
0: I will let you decide on how you interpret the question how can planes fly
1: all right. I, you know, I'm going to answer it this way. I, I know a lot of people who don't fly because they like to say humans were never meant to fly. And I always say, well, we built airplanes. So clearly we were. So they fly because we, <laughs> because we were meant to. And the Wright brothers in, in 1903 figured it out of Kitty Hawk. That's why. That's how they could fly.
0: My brother hates flying. And, and his one mantra is always sit at the back because you never hear a plane reversing into a mountain. I'm not sure that makes any difference, but
1: but but if it, it if it gives him solace.
0: So, Aaron, you say that you wrote your book to inspire yourself to be a better person.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a fair way to put it. Yes,
0: I note from the I like because I ask all my guests to write me a little biog just so I'm included in a little bit about you and and who you are. And it's interesting that you start it with the words husband and father. That's a really important part of your life, I'm guessing the most important part. Have you got young kids?
1: I have one, two years old.
0: Yeah, I have one two year old. Do you think that it's that life changing event that has inspired you to to reevaluate your life and, and think of the legacy that you, you leave and inspire other people? And I'm, I'm just intrigued by that connection between the, the arrival of your child and your, your book.
1: Unquestionably. I, I mean, you know, there, there were a number of reasons I wrote the book, but the number one impetus had to have been uh, my son coming. And I think it was six weeks before my wife was about to give birth, I turned to her, I said, I'm going to write a book. And thinking that she would just say, you know, tell me how ridiculous that was, she looked at me and said, go for it.
0: I was extremely supportive then. And how did family craft that?
1: The first few months after he was born was when I was trying to outline and put this together. And that was obviously a struggle. Um, but once we kind of settled in to figuring out the parenthood thing a little bit. I'm not sure you quite really ever figure it out, obviously, but months four and five when we we started having things (laughs) a little bit easier and and understood where we were what direction we were heading, uh, that's when they just opened up this time frame to say, now, now I should do this and how I was gonna spend my time and how my wife was gonna help. And she was incredibly supportive in, in helping me do that. And, you know, just kinda I didn't write on the weekends, which meant that I would come home and spend all weekend with them, and just focus solely on being with my family. I mean, obviously there were thoughts that came into my head, and maybe I'd jot them down, but I wouldn't write again until it was only Monday through Friday. So that was extremely inspirational. Spending all that time with them and thinking about what it was to be with them and the legacy that I want to leave—like you mentioned—that's how it helped craft.
0: What other aspects of your life has this experience changed? Then he's still he's still working in real estate, or
1: oh oh sure. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, writing just one book with nothing else behind you prior to that does not a business make, obviously, and it's going to be a long time, but I'm writing a lot more now. And again, I'm writing for myself uh, and really just enjoying that and and finding an awesome, amazing freedom in that. And it feels great. But yes, I continue to work every day and I still own my own small business. And, you know, that's still the focus and what puts food on the table. That's not going to change anytime soon.
0: And the one thing that I realized with young children, especially two year olds, (laughs) One thing that comes along with two-year-olds is Daniel Tiger. Oh, I, I love that you brought <laughs> up Daniel Tiger. I mean, the,
1: <laughs> the amount of Daniel Tiger, the amount, the amount of songs in Daniel Tiger that are now in our heads before we go to sleep. <laughs> how, by the way, how how old are your children? Do you have one or two? Or how my many
0: my daughter is five. I have another one on the way at the moment, and I should probably say, anybody listening to this who I haven't told that sorry uh, yeah. yeah it's it's been out in the ether for a while so i, I lose track um but yeah uh, my daughter at the age of two discovered daniel tiger and d- describe it describe it, because i bet there's a lot of people listening to this who haven't got a clue what we're talking about now and i do want to make this a bit more inclusive
1: okay so fred rogers obviously mr rogers neighborhood was this incredibly huge show throughout the 80s uh and just kind of melted away into the 90s and 2000s. But a lot of people still remember who he was. Well, you know, some producers took that on and turned it into a cartoon cat who kind of took over the the lineage of of Mr. Rogers. And Daniel Tiger has this little neighborhood. It's like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, but he is this little tiger. Uh, I think he's about four years old. And it's just his little like insulated life and, and, and neighborhood. And he's got all these friends. Um, some of them are human. Some of them are other animals. And it's all about just their little trials and tribulations as being little kids and really talking about their feelings. That's, that's like the yeah. show more than anything else is constantly just bringing up that they're sad, they're happy, they're mad. And then, you know, he's, he's in a world of make believe, which the kids love to join him on when he's. In, in involved in some little journey or specifically they're just making up songs the adults in the, in the in the show are constantly making up songs to help the children deal with their feelings it's brilliant
0: and i i cannot think of the number of times that we've had to use a daniel tiger song to help my daughter express emotions or <laughs> use your words
1: <laughs> use your words but it, but it's i mean it, it, it's it's a brilliant show it's great and i you know, I thought I would think that he would sit there for three or four minutes before he would lose interest, like so many other activities. But when Daniel Tiger's on, it could just be like a forty-five straight-minute thing. And then I look at my, I look at my wife, and I'm like, "We're just terrible parents. He's just sitting here watching a screen. We need to do something else." But he's just entranced. He loves
0: it. Yeah, we we had like two years solidly where it was the only thing my daughter would watch. On oh, thank you, goodness you were, for Netflix. I,
1: it's so funny you say that because I mean, we'll try and yeah, here's uh, here's Sesame Street, here's Curious George. You know, here's. I, I, of a litany of other shows nope he goes crazy as soon as he turned off and now the the worst part is now he knows which he's starting to understand like that there are different episodes and the ones that he likes and doesn't like and then you (laughs) then you get to play that guessing game of like is it this one is this the one you were talking about
0: there we go the world according to daniel tiger right okay let's go back to some random questions would you please give me another number 50 Fifty, it is. What's the biggest challenge that the next generation will face?
1: That's a great question. So, when we say the next generation, the one like our like our children, the ones being born right now, generation alpha, is that what we're talking about, or or the ones that are about to take over power? Are we talking about like the millennials or centennials?
0: Now, again, I'm going to um, I'm going to leave that in your hands as to what you want to talk about.
1: I love you brought this question or I love that I landed on this question because chapter four of my book is called a generation collaborator where I talk about how, you know, there's this great quote from Socrates who talks about how previous or the new the coming generations are all terrible. And there's this idea that this has been going on for 2000 years. The elderly all think that the young are just ungrateful and, and horrible to deal with, but I don't feel that way. I think we should all, I should all collaborate with each other, obviously. And I, I go out to prove that. And I talk about the seven living generations that are here. Um, and again, I mean, this is, this is why I wrote the book, the, you know, the generation alpha, let's go with them. That's what we're talking about. That's who's being born now. And they still have another eight years to go of being born. I mean, what's going to be their biggest challenge, sadly, is climate change. There's just no way around that. You could talk about, you know, a million things, including technology, how fast everything changes right now. You could talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the pedagogy of the world, the, the just anything that, that, that somebody wants to bring up or you know the the changing faces and how everybody looks and everybody's movement around the world but it's unquestionably climate change and it's going to happen it's going to happen a lot faster than we all want it to it's already happening obviously but you know people think it's still 50 or 100 or 200 years away and it's not it's not everybody's really going to wake up in the next 10 years and say oh boy
0: do you think they will be motivated to actually make change
1: it- You know, that's an interesting question. I think everybody is ultimately motivated. You know, individuals are motivated to make change. We all look around and feel the same way. We'd like to do something. Everybody also looks around and says, well, what am I supposed to do? And that's a fair question too. Um, You know, we can all do our small parts, but on a grand scale, on a scale of corporations, (laughs) on a scale of, you know, multinationals, on a scale of the entire world coming together, you know, that's going to be too little too late. I I look at it like you know we're we're down to very 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 few options and I think technology and ultimately letting you know machine learning and artificial intelligence take over uh, our lives and and the lives of how everything's run the sooner the better because we can use that to make a difference and you know I mean who, who knows if geoengineering is really going to change anything um, but it, believe me it doesn't matter whether you you personally recycle or you personally don't buy that jewelry or you personally stop flying 20% less a year, that's not what's going to change anything. I mean, what's going to change is is truly, truly, um, you know, a massive reduction of carbon or sucking it out of the atmosphere, you know, or or planting the trillion trees or so like we're talking about now. Or just understanding that you can use artificial intelligence or, or machine learning, you know, let them take over and make the decisions so the algorithms understand, here's what we really need to do to stop contributing to climate change. And here's where everybody needs to live now. You're talking about housing, uh, currency. But the, again, that those, these are larger questions. These are the massive conversation to have.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, can I have another number, please?
1: Let's go with 51.
0: If you had too much money, what would you do with it?
1: I'd give it away. I'd give as much of it as possible away, and still, you know, figure out a number that that makes me comfortable, makes my family comfortable, uh, and then I'd give the rest away.
0: Who would you give it to? How would you determine that?
1: Be, well, that depends how much money I'd have. If it was too much, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I I I'd, I'd want to. G- go even further. I mean, like I have a few of the nonprofits that I like to give a couple bucks to already, but I'd really want to look at, uh, on a larger scale, ones that would make me comfortable where I know the money would not be wasted. And that's who I'd give it to. I'd, and, you know, I'd probably give it to ones that would just, that specifically target individual lives to help make them better. And
0: that's who I'd give it to. Okay. Any examples? Uh,
1: that's, yeah, that's a, look, that's a fair question. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm not. I, I do have some in mind, actually, but I'm not going to just single them out on here because I don't like I, I wouldn't want to put that in anybody else's head. Like, that's right or that's wrong. But it would be like I, I know which ones that I would feel comfortable and give it to. And I give it to them.
0: That's a fair answer. OK, next question, please.
1: How many do I have left?
0: You are on number seven. So seven and eight left.
1: Let's go with 52.
0: What's your holy grail? Okay, so this is um what's the one thing perhaps you've always coveted, but you've you've never quite been able to either achieve or obtain?
1: Love this question. Uh, I'm a tennis player. It's like it's the the great physical outlet for me. I've never been able to achieve five o level I've like I've kind of been mired in four oh four five for a long time. I've just never had that breakthrough to a true five o USTA level. That is, that's my holy grail. It's a very selfish answer, but there you go. I would love to just touch that void. Just know that I get on the court and can be able to to take on other players in like the 5.055 level.
0: Okay, that's great. Dominating the court.
1: Oh yeah, it's important to me.
0: Okay, and can I have your final number, please?
1: Sure. Uh, My son being
0: two years old, let's go with two. Okay, number two. I hope this is a good question now. (laughs) They're all good questions. These are good. What's your favorite thing about yourself?
1: my favorite thing about myself oh here we go this is uh this is good Uh, because I've had a lot of time to think about this writing a book I like how annoying I am (laughs) (laughs) I mean obviously growing up that used to be like I don't want to be so annoying to others but you know what I like how annoying I am right now it perpetuates conversations uh it brings about interesting things you know I needle people I really do I, I push them I push myself man I get annoying and and sometimes or most of the time that gets results so i like that
0: so on your annoyance what would uh who should we pick i'm not going to say your wife because that's that's possibly too easy what would your best friend say about you uh, with respect to how annoying you are
1: (laughs) i think he he actually told me once my best friend said you know what it it makes you interesting (laughs) Like that too and i think that's i mean that's really that that changed my mindset it was actually my best friend who helped me Uh, you know, create an ideal about, oh, yeah, that's a good thing. Let's turn it into a positive makes me an interesting person.
0: Ah, yeah, I love it. Uh, Thank you for coming on the Lunchbox podcast today, Aaron, I've really enjoyed that you've had um, uh, some really, really lovely responses to the questions and uh, always great to talk about Daniel Tiger. Uh, Your book of by and for the hanged man is out now it's released in January of this year, where can where can people go and find that if they, they fancy having a read?
1: You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on the Barnes & Noble website or even Kobo or a number of other websites. It's on my, my own website, amfeffer.com. It's Aaron Michael, so amfeffer.com. Uh, or specifically, you know, most, most people find it through Amazon. So if you type in either my, uh, my name, author name, M. Pfeffer, or the book's title, it'll pop up.
0: Okay, and your next project, what are you working on now?
1: Oh, great question. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, we talked about it in the beginning. I'm writing for myself, so I just had uh, some poetry published. Some uh, I put a, a piece on the Good Men Project. I'm writing a lot on Medium right now, uh, just doing some some fun stuff for myself. I am doing an ebook that I hope to have out next year. I don't want to talk too much about it, but uh you know because i kind of want it to be a surprise but i'll have it out next year and then uh, i have about three or four other big ideas that i hope to get to do over the next five or six years
0: okay well aaron thank you very much for your time today i really really appreciate you coming on
1: thank you andy this was great thank you so much for having me on
0: and if you would like to if you'd like to join us on the lunchbox podcast as a guest then please do get in touch with us you can do that at lunchbox podcast on twitter uh facebook instagram uh email i don't know get in touch uh, also if you have any questions that you might like us to put to the guests then you're more than welcome to send those in as well until next wednesday lunchtime bye